What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Love Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Party people, this is Mr. V of Confessions of a Curly Mind, broadcasting through Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Right, the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Cosmic, Cosmic Radio. Twisted Soul. Futuristica Radio. You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com. Howdy, friends. You're tuned into another episode of the Blue in Green podcast. My name's Imran. Thank you very much for tuning in. As always, we massively appreciate your time and your company. Um, before we jump into today's episode, 128 no less, uh, before we jump in, a quick reminder that the Blue in Green podcast runs in conjunction with Blue in Green Radio, the online internet radio station uh, that broadcasts from London and hosts shows from across the wide world. Uh, and uh, all of us all of the, on the team are deeply passionate about sharing our, um, well, our, our unwavering affections for contemporary jazz and soul music and funk music and Latin music. So we'd love for you to check us out at blueingreenradio.com. You'll find um, our radio stream broadcasting on every page there. And you'll also uh, find the full backlist catalogue of our podcast episodes uh, as well. So yes, please check us out at blueingreenradio.com. Uh, today's episode, I'm really excited about today's episode. Uh, it finds us reconnecting with uh, saxophonist and composer Sam Newbold. We spoke with Sam for back in February uh, 2021. It was episode 78 of our podcast series, and we spoke to Sam following the release of his sophomore album, Bogus Notice, which I had the distinct privilege of being able to review for our friends over at UK Vibe. And uh, yeah, episode 28, we get to reconnect with Sam. I'm really excited to do so. He's um, a brilliant uh, person to speak to. He has a wonderful insight. He's an incredible musician. And um, yeah, I always thoroughly kind of enjoy being able just to spend time and kind of... Um, uh, and learn from him, see his perspective on things. It's it's a very very cool outlook, and I yeah thoroughly enjoy his company. So really excited about today's episode. We spoke last time, as I said, following the release of his um, bogus notice album. This uh, conversation finds us in a really exciting time for Sam. He is in the midst of preparing his third album, currently due for release in 2024. But we're speaking to him about a month, just about a month um removed from a seven day UK tour uh, and which is really exciting it's seven venues seven days in a row uh, mind-blowing um, he's based in Amsterdam so kind of having to put all this together overseas I think is is incredible uh, so we get to talk about those um, gigs and the upcoming uh, performances as well as, as and we also get to discuss kind of what, uh, the status of the new album and what's gone into preparing album number three uh, dealing with those expectations and um, kind of having to find that growth from the, the album before so it's a wonderful episode I'm very excited about it again I hope you guys will enjoy it um, let me quickly if you'll permit me to run down um, the uh, UK dates um, for September 2023 
1983. So uh, we have 18th of September, Band on the Wall, amazing, um, in Manchester, an incredible venue. Uh, 19th of September, Jazz at the Spotted Dog in Birmingham. 20th of September, Jazz at Heart in Leeds. 21st of September, The Rope Walk in Hull. 22nd of September, The Bear Club in Luton. 23rd. Uh, the Vortex in London and 24th of September Peggy Skylight in Nottingham seven days seven gigs all different parts of the UK it's incredible it's very 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 cool Uh, please check out samnewbold.com for information and tickets Uh, you will not be disappointed it's going to be an incredible set uh, to whet your appetite for the for the brilliant music that Sam puts forth, let's play a, a track for you right now. Regular listeners of the podcast know we play two songs per episode, so let's play for our first one as a nice introduction uh, to Sam's music. We'll play a song from his Blaine Cathra uh, opening, uh, excuse me, his Blaine Cathra debut uh, from 2019. We're going to play the, the fantastic track Northern Quarter. And then we will be closing our show with a track from Bogus Notice from 2021. We'll be playing the album's title track. Uh, so I hope you'll enjoy both songs. And of course, I hope you'll enjoy our episode today. Um, once again, you can find us at blueandgreenradio.com. You can find Sam Newbold at samnewbold.com as well for information about those 2023 September performances in the UK. Uh, thank you very much, friends. Hope you enjoyed today's episode.
it's, it's such a great pleasure to speak to you again. I'm very excited to kind of have the time. So thank you so much. Yeah, uh, you're you've welcome. been well. Yeah, very good. Thanks, and pleasure to talk to you as well again. Um, yeah, it's been what two years, I guess, maybe yeah. slightly more. Actually, yes, yeah, so slightly more. It was February, yeah, February twenty one uh, right. that we kind of had the opportunity to talk about your amazing uh, project. So um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, that was, I think, our podcast episode seventy eight. This is now seventy nine, so we're progressing slowly. I'm cool. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> very, uh, very measured progress. Yeah, it's the Sam Newbold specific podcast. <laughs> I'm fine uh, with that. I'm really all right with that. You know? <laughs> um, how uh, how is how is your summer going? I mean, I can't think. You must be crazy busy right now. I can't imagine. Are you enjoying your your summer? Are you managing to find time? You've got. Um, uh, you've got tours coming up, which I can't imagine is a particularly easy thing to plan. Mm. You're workshopping uh, new music. You're prepping a, a, a third album, which I'm mm. very excited to hear. How how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, quite quite busy, as you say. Um, I I've been in Amsterdam the whole summer, so this is kind of like the work. This is my workplace, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, so I am not really on holiday at all. Mm -hmm. But I have to say, like the stuff that you've mentioned, the two things are crazily exciting. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't feel too much like work. Um, but yeah, I mean, organizing a tour, uh, this is kind of the first proper international tour I've organized. Mm -hmm. um, it's so so much work. I have to yeah. say, really a surprising amount of work goes into not just the gig getting but then also like logistics and getting people to those gigs and everything is a huge task so yeah I mean it's a super busy period especially now I mean we're, ju we're just over a month out from the tour yeah but, um, it's all really nice you know it's actually kind of um, it's a first for me to have such a, a big group of important gigs kind of grouped together like this usually mm. you have like one or maybe two or three um together but to have seven back to back is really like yeah. wow this is like a a key moment so it's kind of exciting to be building towards such a big point you know mm. yeah did you do love supreme as well this yeah. year yeah yeah that's right we did uh we did love supreme um which was awesome I also yeah like um it's kind of a strange one actually i weirdly played there um in i think it was 2014 um on the pavilion stage i think it was called it was literally a pavilion um and that was with my partner beth who's a singer and yeah. a pianist called callum we had a trio called major rust which wow. is discontinued sadly it was very short-lived but uh we weirdly ended up getting a slot there and then kind of after that i completely forgot about all of that because so many other things happened um after that period that kind of like I moved abroad and, and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So I forgot about it. And then the love Supreme thing came up and I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> like, this is weird. Like I did this six years ago or something like yeah. no more than that, like nine years ago. And we're back again. And it was, it's such a nice festival. I mean, like the vibe there is really amazing. Yeah. Um, have you ever been there before? No, I have. I nearly okay. went two years ago. I think that was when the COVID one hit. Right. Uh, so, but no, I'd love to go to one. Yeah, it, they look awesome. Yeah, it's just like everybody's so nice there. Wow. And I feel like everybody really wants to hear music and they want to get involved. They don't just want to kind of move between stages, which can right. happen at festivals. Um, people want to be there and they want to kind of check out 
let's say like newer stuff, newer artists, which mm. as, as a new artist myself, um, that's like the, the dream, you know, like uh, people with open ears are just the best people to play for. Mm. So that was that was really nice. And that felt like a really nice kind of like um, Kickstarter for this UK tour stuff. Yeah. Like I have very um, positive feelings about playing in the UK now. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's like one of the biggest UK jazz festivals, I think. So it yeah. was just kind of an honor to be on the on the lineup as well. You know? Yeah, two time performer, we get to say as well. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say like one and a half because the, <laughs> the first one felt like a lifetime ago. But yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. You just refer to yourself as a new artist. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, in terms of preparing your third, are you being humble or is there like a, a, a certain, I don't know, milestone that you, you imagine reaching before you kind of achieve um i don't know what would be the next one sophomore non, status veteran yeah. status <laughs> old old artist icon um, <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah interesting that was kind of just um i do kind of consider myself like a newer artist um and you're right i've been doing i've been doing this for a while this is yeah. like third album coming up so and i'm 33 so i'm not like a super young cat anymore mm-hmm. um but I don't know. I just I constantly feel like I'm kind of breaking through in a way that's maybe that sounds a bit pretentious, but I I think it's nice. It's humble. It's nice. Yeah. I mean, I always feel like I'm trying to build up an audience. I don't feel like um, really established, especially like in the UK. I mean, I haven't lived in the UK for uh, nearly 10 years now. So it's like playing in the UK. I definitely feel like a newcomer still. Mm. Um, And I kind of maybe I like I kind of like that status you know like Mm. the expectation is generally low if you're a new artist not low sorry it's just that there isn't a huge expectation if you're like for love supreme for example we were we were we played relatively early and i think we were kind of a late addition to the bill so it felt like we were kind of a new upcoming artist that they programmed which i love that feeling it's like people don't expect much and then people are always going to be hopefully pleasantly surprised Right. Um, if you're able to do a good performance so yeah new new artist old new artist let's say <laughs> more appropriate. Do, do you kind of um, geek out at these events in terms of meeting people that you might be a fan of or even the idea of saying I wonder if I could score collabs or if yeah. anyone would be up for sort of working together in any capacity do you kind of look at events like that as a chance to network or just be a fanboy or, or yeah. how do you approach them as well yeah like a, a a little bit of both i guess to be really honest a festival like love supreme it's a big festival yeah and there's a lot of people backstage there's a lot of very big names mm. um there and it's kind of I find it quite difficult and let's say a little bit unnatural to start um, networking, like sparking mm. up conversations with people I've never met. Sure. Um, do you want to collaborate? I I'm not very good at that. So having said that, like when you walk around the audience and you spot people, you know, like, yes, I saw Jasper Holby, the bass player wow. uh, was just outside the tent that we played and we just ended up talking. And like, that was great. That's like, that's when you really realize there is kind of a community. Um, like mm. we live in different cities in, he lives in, in London. Now I live in Amsterdam and just through like mutual friends and we've seen each other play a couple of times, like you can just spark up those conversations. So that's really nice. That's mm. like an, I call that like a natural um, kind of networking thing, let's say. Yeah. 
Um, I do have to say, like, I guess most of my networking happens either either side of the actual events themselves. Like quite often I'll get in touch with somebody that I know is going to be at a festival that I know a little bit and say, you're going to be there the same day as me. Shall we hang out? And we try to do that. And it doesn't always happen, especially like Love Supreme. There was absolutely no phone signal. So oh. like it was impossible to communicate. Right. But like that's a nice thing to do. It feels a little bit more like, um, yeah, like measured, like thought out. If you contact someone and say, let's we're at the same festival, maybe we yeah. can have a drink or something. That's really nice. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm really not king of networking, I have to say. And sort of on that note, I do. You're, I'm kind of recollecting uh, our last conversation where we talked about being someone who, in your situation, has to self-promote and get out there and uh, deal with uh, social media and uh, the digital kind of uh, realms that that entails. Mm. I mean, how are you? Uh, how are you enjoying having to sort of jump back into that for 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 this stuff like? Uh, obviously the upcoming gigs and uh, the album sort of due next year you, is this something that you're still kind of un- uncertain about or is mm. it something you're like yeah I'm getting a bit um, I'm sort of enjoying them a little better mm. it's, you know how's that, your approach to that that's a great question because it's like one of the main things yeah. I do now on a daily basis is kind of promotion I have yeah. like a big tour coming up and to put it simply like you need people to know you're doing that so there are parts of it I really enjoy, like this, for example, Good reconnecting idea. with people that I've spoken to and speaking in person with people. I love like that's I love to do that. It's not I don't even feel like I'm promoting. It's just that like I feel like I'm forming connections with people that I haven't spoken to for a while or I'm forming new connections. Mm-hmm. That's super nice on a personal level. Um, some of the social media stuff, I have to say, I find it pretty stressful yeah like you have to you have to be careful i think to balance being uh visible if you're trying to promote an event you need that event and yourself to be kind of visible mm-hmm. whilst not becoming something that you're just not and like kind of relates to what i was saying about networking i'm not super comfortable like pushing myself you know i don't I'm not the kind of person that is desperate to be in the spotlight. So sometimes the self-promotion stuff can feel quite awkward, I have to say, mm. and a little bit like um, unnatural or not like myself. Mm. But other things like just generally like being aware of how to or who your audience is like one of the things about social media is you need to know who you're targeting, who you want to get at your gigs and who your fans are. I kind of really like that. That's kind of an eye opener as an artist. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, who, who's actually going to like my stuff? You know, there's no point yeah. in targeting people who are kind of not interested. So as a artist and as a kind of like uh, um, creative trying to make a career out of this, like that part is really important and hard but also very rewarding when you do realize, okay, that sort of person is kind of into my stuff. Yeah. You know? So that's cool. That's the businessy side of it, I guess. Mm. It is always interesting where you see someone online who has found that balance of Mm. 
being able to convey personality while simultaneously getting them to check out what they're what they're proverbially selling mm. uh, and I, it's personally i you know when I, I i find it an impossible thing it's sort of you know to to put up forward a personality or sort of online is is i think it's incredibly difficult and I, you can see when someone's nailing it mm, <laughs> and absolutely. it's like you're you know you're doing this brilliantly mm. and um yeah it's, it's such a difficult kind of um balance because when you just say hey i'm doing this check mm. it out some people go yeah but yeah. then you're kind of like hey here's a funny meme and you'll get mm. loads of likes <laughs> yeah. and you're kind of like right one works one doesn't how can i absolutely them? and to be but, really honest like this kind of discussion this this talk in your head goes on when you write music or when wow, you interesting. like when you do anything as creative output i think that discussion comes out it's like okay i'm writing a song um do how do i want this song to go okay cool i've got this idea okay now are people going to like this and if you start going down that road which i mm. think we all do i sure. i don't know i'm maybe some people really don't care about what people will think of them and that's cool but i do think like that and then it becomes a discussion of like okay do i just do what exactly what i want to do or do i have to start thinking about like what will my fans like in terms of a kind of a song or a kind of instrumentation or like all these little musical details how your album's going to sound where you're going to record it all this stuff you start getting involved in that and that is hard. I mean, mm. that's like, for me, that's where it becomes uh, not a compromise, but you have to make decisions. Like, do yeah. I do I push my own thing or do I start thinking about who's going to listen to this, you know? Where do you currently sit? That's fascinating. I mean, I, I think that that's, because on one hand, you want to be honest with your music and what mm. you're putting out and have faith that it finds its audience but then you're right you gotta you know you kind of think well do I want to reach a wider demographic yeah. and would a small compromise here help me do that and mm. it's still me I'm not it's not like I'm gonna launch into a rendition of my way or <laughs> something <laughs> like you know I'm not gonna completely just change my my whole outlook on something you know um, yeah where where do you how how did those conversations in your head go in preparation for the the third album? I think they're much more present, and I think I personally feel like I've come to a place where I can manage that quite effectively. Oh, brilliant! So I I think personally the COVID thing for me um, made me realize that this is pretty precarious. Like I'm talking about being a musician and create being a creative and putting out stuff there sorry, putting stuff out there. Mm-hmm. And um, like for me, writing music after that whole thing happened, I feel like it's very important for me to to make people feel good. It sounds very simple, but it's easy to forget when you're a jazz musician, you've been through the academy stuff. Um, you kind of get into your head that you just need to worry about these things as a jazz, like playing your instrument well and mm. playing all the right chords and all this stuff. And of course, that is crucial. There's no doubt that is the key. But the COVID thing for me made me think I should. uh, It's my responsibility as an artist to be accountable to the people I write music for, which is like people. It's like my parents or like not necessarily massive jazz fans, just people out there that enjoy going out and seeing live music. Mm. And for me, 
the COVID thing made me realize partly how how valuable a live audience is, and also like how much joy I get out of playing music for people in a room, seeing them enjoy that as well. Yeah, you know, and writing all this new stuff, like writing a, it's like ten new songs, the new album, so quite a lot of music. I just think always in the back of my he- mind was this thing of like, cool, yeah, you can do that cool thing that you've learned and you can do that musical technique that you've learned that nobody understands. But basically, like, you have to make this cool for an audience. Right. And for me, that's not actually a compromise. That's like almost a, um, like emancipation, let's sure. say. Yeah. Like, I, I just have to do that. You have to make people enjoy it or try yeah. your hardest, you know? Yeah. And Love Supreme was great for that because people loved it. And like it was the some of my most basic songs that we played went down the best. You know, mm. the audiences like groove and they like clear ideas and they like fun and stuff like that. And I don't know, for me, especially with this album, like it's much less about serious, dark, deep stuff, which my previous album was quite a dark mm-hmm. album. Um, it was kind of a funny album, but also dark. And with this one, it's not like that at all. It's like, let's just enjoy live music, basically. And mm. I think the music kind of reflects that. I hope it does anyway. You know? mm. Do you feel uh, a, diff- a sense of trepidation when you're playing? Uh, so let's say, you know, uh, I don't think you, you had the chance to promote Bogus Notice too much because of quarantine at mm. the time. But um, if you put something out and you get great kind of press and great feedback and people, you know, enjoy it and then you go out and play it. And I imagine you're going to play it for an audience and you're going to feel comfortable because it's been embraced mm. when you're workshopping new material. Do you have a sense of trepidation about, you know, I hope people respond to this in the way that I'm hoping they will or, OK, that that's not working or mm. You know, do you have, do you kind of go into it about, I wonder how, how people like it, basically? A little bit, but I do not, I don't let that guide, I don't let that guide my thoughts about the performance. Right. Because audiences, audience response can be funny at times. Like sometimes you will play and the audience will be completely dead. And this sometimes happens in the Netherlands, I have to say. I don't know why, but mm. sometimes you'll play and it's like dead and you're thinking in your head, oh this is they're hating everything here i think it's my hair i think it's my beard they just they just hate <laughs> they hate the whole thing let's just end it and then you finish and you'll hear the nicest comments like that right. was one of the best things i've seen or i love that part like people who've really listened they'll say i love yes. that bit where that guy did that it's like okay cool but like nobody was showing that at the time yeah and sometimes it's almost the other way around it's like this happens especially when you record gigs you'll play the audience will be on fire. It's like the best night of their lives. Everybody's having an amazing time. You think it's the best gig you've ever done. You leave it a week, you listen back to the recording a week after, and it sounds rough, you know? Mm. And some, so sometimes the audience thing, the response thing is not always an uh, objective measure of how good or how well something's gone down, in, yeah, in my experience. Yeah. yeah. No offense to an audience. Audiences are amazing always. Mm. But like it's... I think it's something about going on in my own head head as well. It's not always the best way to judge your new stuff. So I try not to have any sense of trepidation. Mm -hmm. I always rehearse and I would never try and play new stuff with my band without having rehearsed. And at a point you just have to let it go. Like, 
okay, it's going to happen now. We're going to play it. Stuff might happen that wasn't planned or isn't written. But, you know, that's live music. So mm. let's see what happens. And generally, it goes quite well. I mean, nothing's touch wood. I've never performed and it's like been an utter train wreck. Usually, if you do a new song, it will feel pretty um, kind of a bit kind of cold or a bit a bit um, careful. Right. But then like the second time you play it, it feels it like exponentially increases in, right. in energy. It's just everybody kind of knows it then. And then the next time you play it, it feels great. So I just I, I think the way I see it is like it's just part of the process. I don't go into a performance of a new song thinking, okay, this could be could be rough. I think of it like, okay, this is part of a long process where this song is going to develop into what it's going to become. You know, mm. that's a that's a brilliant point. I, I it's funny. I'm I'm sort of reflect. I'm self reflecting now on my uh, um, kind of responses as an audience member. Mm. And I I yes, I I'm ah oh, has a comfortable chair. Let me sit. Mm. <laughs> Let me sit there with a drink and and watch this like a movie. You know, I'm I've I've never been a particularly animated kind of audience member but it's you're right it you would probably look and think god that guy looks you know like he's not enjoying this at all but i'm sitting there focused solely at, on 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 the stage thinking this mm. is bliss you know yeah. but you're right you're yeah it's it, you can't always judge it like that for sure uh, my refusal to applaud would probably make you think <laughs> if you get up and leave then that's maybe you know yes yeah. no i just, just to reaffirm i am an enthusiastic clapper. i'm sure so, yeah. i'm absolutely <laughs> I'm sure, sure of to that. be sure um so looking at the the september lineup wow like mm. seven days like seven nights in a row mm. you're going from i will do uh in the intro i'll go through every date and then and give every location etc but just right. for now it's you're going from Manchester to Birmingham to Leeds to Hull to Luton to London to Nottingham mm. over the course of seven days. I mean, yeah. you know, I would have thought planning one gig overseas would have been a challenge yeah. enough. You have done seven in a row. Um, are you staying in places or is there just like a van that <laughs> you guys are jumping in <laughs> yeah, and hopping from one to the next? Just or? A, a lot of coffee, probably. No yeah. sleep. Um, no, it's I, I've been pretty um, well. I have to say, firstly, lucky to get seven in a row. I mean, yes, like I know it's unusual. And I mean, the venues that I worked with have been really good and flexible to allow me to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But because it's seven and because I'm traveling with there's five of us in total, um, I've been very careful to make sure that we can actually rest. You know, I. I mean, I know with touring, it gets tiring. It's kind of a strange one. It's like you're not really doing a huge amount in the day other than traveling to the next gig. But just the fact that you're staying with the same guys, you're playing night after night, Mm. you're on the move. For me, at least there'll be kind of the stress of like, do we get there on time? Is all the equipment there that we need? Blah, blah, blah. It's tiring. So we're staying in, we're staying in, I'm going to call them average hotels. Mm -hmm. Um, in a positive way i think we're going to be fine they're pretty close to the venues which is really good so if if they're terrible we'll just sleep on stage but um (laughs) but yeah so we got those and i hired a van so we have a little uh van that we're going to go around the country in um but i mean you have as much experience of this as i do imran like i am i am pretty new to taking a quintet on tour for seven days so 
I don't know. I just wow. I just hope nothing catastrophically goes wrong. Mm. If that if it if it's pretty much stays on track, we'll be fine because I've planned it a lot. But yeah, I mean, we'll see. There'll always be things, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's well, it's it's in, it's incredible. Just you know, I I I have no doubt that you've you've meticulously put it all together. I mean, were you were you familiar with? like all of the venues that you're going to. I mean, Band on the Wall, I mean, that's a mm. great one to kind yeah. of kick the whole thing off with. Um, yeah. And, I mean, w- were you familiar with with the places or is this just part of the research that went into it? Yeah, a bit of both. Um, I certainly haven't played in, I think I've only played in um, like one of them, Vo- the Vortex in London. So I'm not familiar with the, with the venues in person, but... Yeah. Um, like I did a lot of research and I have quite a few kind of contacts in the UK who recommended certain places. Right. And yeah, I mean, there's this thing that people call benchmarking, which is basically you go through a load of venues, you see who plays there and then you benchmark yourself within that lineup. So it's like, would I fit with these other artists on the bill? And these ones kind of came out the best in terms of that. So that's that's how I did it. And like, it looks like a very nice, clean seven days in a row. But I must have sent like 200 emails at least. So it's a very much like an end point of a very long process. Yeah. I think I've probably made a lot of enemies in the process of <laughs> oh, no. sending too many emails. But uh, that's that's life in the I was gonna say that's life in the NBA. We're not in the NBA. That's life in, in the jazz scene. Are you an NBA fan? No, not at all. Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Never watched it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's great. Um, When you say like, uh, gosh, I mean, I'm sort of thinking about like 200 on email. I mean, to be Mm. honest, I know there's potentially a slight exaggeration, but but there probably isn't. I mean, Mm. I can't. Yeah, it's, I mean, why the, why the, well, (laughs) why why the challenge of say seven gigs in seven days yeah i think i mean a big thing for venues is money and a lot of venues when you say i'm a amsterdam-based band i'll be in the uk for seven days will you book us i think a lot of not a lot but quite a few places immediately are kind of like well yeah we're not going to be able to afford that because we're going to have to pay for their travel and their accommodation right so like I mean, a few places even said that explicitly, but others maybe felt that. Some others probably just didn't want to book us, but I think some do kind of avoid, especially post-COVID, like they want to avoid booking anything uh, other than, let's say, UK-based acts, which I can okay. understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, others others were ama- Like the ones we've booked were amazing. They were so great to us in terms of being flexible with the date, um, like supporting with the promotion. A few of the venues are being super supportive, helping us promote this. Um, and yeah, it. I think, I do think I've been quite lucky, I have to say. I think I've maybe organized the date, at the, the tour at a time that is maybe like the start of the season. So places are right. up for booking. Right. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say, really. You don't know what discussions really go on, I guess. Mm. But it, well, it's it's an incredible uh, achievement to have 
you know to to put all this together mm, got seven thanks. really great gigs in seven great locations so it's it's really uh, exciting and i'm enthused for you sir. thanks so, a lot yeah i think it's gonna go uh very very well um you're like two plus years now uh sort of removed from um bogus notice mm. uh, how do you how do you look back at it with with that kind of distance and space obviously i know you've been obviously performing stuff from mm. it consistently but you know when you kind of look back at the album um and you kind of have that bit of separation do you kind of do you still do you do you even consider it or do you like to separate yourself from past mm. releases and move on or do you kind of look back like to critique things or anything mm. like that interesting question i think i as a whole separate myself from previous work i th- i don't know i think everybody's kind of critical of their previous stuff to an extent that's kind of part of moving on as an artist i guess right. not even an artist just somebody who's trying to make progress like i don't look back and think like wow that was that was it you know that was the best thing i could ever do mm, i think i right. purposefully don't want to do that and there's some things on the album that i love a couple of the songs we play now and i still feel great playing them you get the little goosebump things playing them um and to an extent like it's like you say two years old so those songs have been played live a fair amount now mm-hmm. and they feel amazing it's like the band knows it inside knows the music inside out and there's new things happen every time and that's really cool but i have to say like the overall um sound of the album let's say and like the aesthetic of the album is something that i'm trying to purposefully go against for the next album and that's not because I don't like it or anything. It's just that I feel like it's like you want to, it's like you want to kind of move on, you know. Right. It's like you've got a kid and your kid goes off to university, and I feel like at least with my mum and dad, like they wanted they, to get over the shock of Sam leaving home, which must have been right. utterly terrible for them, of course. I'm joking. Course. It was probably no. Great. It must have. Been. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like they kind of they needed to separate themselves from me as well a bit. It feels a bit like that. You kind of want to separate yourself from from the thing that you've put out there, you know, to move forward. Hmm. It's so interesting you say that because I I distinctly remember asking you uh, when we spoke. I I asked if you were because I I remember you describing the transition from your uh, from um, Blencathra to Mm. Bogus Notice has been quite quick. It would just Mm. been the situation presented itself and you basically found yourself continuing that writing process and going straight into the second album. Mm. And I asked about the third, about where your mind was. Are you looking forward for a break or what Mm. you would be considering for a third? And your response was that you were ready for change. Mm. And it's kind of interesting to hear that you're still kind of in that mindset of we need to move forward, we need to build and uh, do new things and and stuff Mm. like that. So that's quite interesting to hear you kind of still of that same mindset. Yeah, I think it's kind of, I'm, I'm glad to hear that actually, because I feel like, it's important for an artist to feel a bit like that, to mm. be to be kind of like restless, you know. Right. I even do it when I write a song. I'll write a song and I'll be thinking like, cool, that's great. That's the best thing I've ever written. That's the, that's a hit. But then you'll go to bed and wake up the next day and already the back of my mind is like, you can do better next time, you know. Like right. there's these things you could definitely do better. You've, you've wasted something there or that's a bit of dead time in the song or whatever like that. Like you you i always have this thing of like yeah the next one you know the next one is where i'm going to nail it and 
it's it's a bit stressful let's say it's like i don't think it's great for kind of your self-esteem in a way but when you look back on a couple of albums of that mindset i'm glad that i do that and i don't kind of what is it do you say rest on your laurels or something yes yeah Yeah. yeah. rest on your laurels yeah right you don't want to like rest easy after you've written something you want to be pushing forward i feel like you know yeah that's a yeah that's a it's a it's it's, I suppose it's your prob. It probably means at times you're overly critical mm. on yourself, but you're absolutely right. I mean, I think the the end result will will sort of speak for itself. And do do you find that you, that's your approach in other aspects of your life, or is it solely a kind of a music or artistic kind of uh, mm. uh, toll that you put on yourself? Mm. That's a good question. Um. To be honest, I feel like I, in other aspects of my life, I'm kind of like, I'm quite a habit-driven person. Like, Interesting. I kind of like routine to an extent. Mm. And I like things to stay as they are to an extent. So it, surprisingly, I don't feel, I'm not like super restless. Like I'm happy to stay at home, you know, like mm. I like to go, I like to stay at home on a Friday and Saturday night. I've said it. Mm. I feel terrible <laughs> for saying it, but I've said it. Stay in like, watching the NBA. No yeah, doubt. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I don't know. It's quite, it's quite, um, I guess it's a bit of a contradiction, really. I kind of like yeah. things to, I like, I like things to stay a certain way in, in certain aspects of life. Like I yeah. like to, I like to, for example, like in the house where we live in Amsterdam, I like things to be in a certain place. And it drives me mad when my my partner Beth moves stuff around. It just drives me mad. I get really stressed, you know. Like, why is that move there? Why that jumper was hanging up? Why is it now folded up? You know, right? It's like a, I do have that element of kind of like obsessive behavior. But mm. I think, yeah, I think I do feel like um, as a the the kind of musical side, the creative side of me um, is maybe a little bit different to other aspects of my personality. I I don't know if everybody's like that as an artist. Um, some people probably just live the artistic side 100%. Mm. And that's just exactly who they are. But I do feel like I kind of have certain elements like that and other elements which are not like that. Right. Interesting. Mm. That's very cool. Yeah, I kind of like it's kind of cool to that that dichotomy. Uh, kind of exists in, in a strange way. I don't mm. know. To see someone who's, I guess, overly passionate uh about the music that they make but sort of relax in other areas mm. i think it's kind of cool mm. uh so yes very very cool mm. i mean you mentioned the i guess again we've mentioned i suppose for the new album the concept of change uh so i understand from the press material that the new album is composed entirely by ai is that correct <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah it took me about five seconds to do it yeah <laughs> Imagine that, though. Imagine that. Imagine that. When I have, if, if everything is to be believed, we're not too far away. Yeah, from right. It. Yeah. I heard a couple of samples of AI produced material. Oh, right. And I have to say, like, it was different styles of music. And oh. obviously, I think there was a jazz one, and it was obviously utterly terrible. It was just like the worst <laughs> thing you've ever heard. But there was some stuff. There was one that was like a techno thing. Okay. And one was like a film score thing. And the techno thing could have been produced by human as far as I could tell Mm. because it's like all in the grid you know it's like gridded beat music so I think computers can make sense of that and produce something that at least to my ear sounds relatively fine Mm. 
the film score one was interesting because it was like a very prescribed scene where there's like a getaway chase and then the car crashes or whatever, anything like that. Right. And you really can track it through the music. Yes. And it sounded like very basic and not great, but it made sense, you know? Yeah. Which to me was like, okay, that's, that is interesting. Yeah. Because I mean, they've mentioned, I mean, they've been talking a bit, um, I, I mean, AI is, is a huge conversational topic, certainly over here. Mm. And, um, they, I think Ed Sheeran has a, an album coming up mm. where he's, you know, been very open about the fact that him and his team basically input every song he had ever written into uh, an AI mm. uh, software. And to just as I think as an experiment to see what it would come up with. Mm. And apparently a lot of what the, what they generated as a, as an Ed Sheeran song was, was not good, but he actually has, taken and what the press i think from his end was at least one song on the new album will actually be composed will have been written by ai so he actually did get something out of it where he thought i would actually write this and Mm. he subsequently recorded it but i have no idea who who owns it that's crazy isn't it yeah who who do you credit as the writer is it him or the software i have absolutely no idea but um that's where it gets complex right that's where it gets controversial yeah but it is interesting. To, yeah, I was curious, actually. Yeah, your your thoughts on it in terms of is this the, the end of the world or is this really something that shouldn't be anywhere near mm. uh, art or music? I suppose with film, it's always about moving forward. Film has always been from a technological aspect about moving forward. We, you know, from like the, everyone marveled at Terminator 2 mm. and uh, the liquid kind of Terminator. And we look at a de-aged Robert Downey Jr. in mm. Civil War and, mm. you know, uh, a non-existent Mark Hamill in the Mandalorian, yeah. you know? So it's always about that. And we always, we marvel at that, but it feels like with music, it's like, Oh, I just, I'm not entirely sure it should be going in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head. It's like, should it be going in that direction? That's always the, th- I guess, I don't know. Like it is moving forward in a way. If that's where society goes, then music should reflect society. And in, in my opinion, so it's like, mm yeah, you've reached a bit of a kind of like crossroads because effectively that technology could make the people who have always made music, which is just people, it makes them kind of like slightly redundant potentially, which is not cool. So Mm. yeah, it's difficult. I don't know if there's ever been a time in history where maybe there there is a time like when the computer was made, invented, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, has there been a time in history where humans have created a technology um, in art that kind of removes themselves from that art? Yes, interesting. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Yeah. Because you're kind of working Um, yourself out of a job. Well, yeah. And and it's sort of a job that's based upon a weird kind of truth and mm. honesty of that, that from a person, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if I'd want to hear, uh, you know, like if, <laughs> you know, if there's a new album that comes out, which is endorsed by Sam Newbold, mm. as opposed to, you know, in terms of it was generated yeah. and you listen to it and said, yeah, I, I like that. Mm. And it's like, Oh wow. Endorsed by Sam Newbold, but not created or performed <laughs> by him in any way, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's a weird thing. I, I, it's, it just doesn't, you know, the idea of listening to an album, or uh, uh, 
almost a, a, a completely made up artist mm. as well who could have released a series of albums. Mm. I don't know. I mean, that's definitely how I feel. Uh, the I get enjoyment from music because I know it's a person, you know? Yes. And e- even yeah. in like produced music or electronic music or anything that's not necessarily being played live, like you still know there's a person behind it. Yes. And for me, that's where the AI thing kind of, I hope, falls down like it's where it will never make it into the mainstream of music production is that it's not a person it's not actually a guy or a girl who's gonna like make a mistake or play something that's like you can tell what that person's about by what they've just played you know like that's where the magic is for me and i hope a lot of people feel the same otherwise you know like it could be trouble i guess yes Yes. Well, and speaking of magic, I've, I, when we discussed your your new music, I, I should have mentioned of uh, you've got the homing and uh, believe you me, mm. which are which are great videos. They're really lovely. Uh, the backdrop and the, the the performances there of you and the quintet kind of performing. Uh, great, great, great tracks. That must have been a uh, a lot of fun. That that performance, yeah. I imagine. Yeah. Thanks a lot. That's that that was really fun. That was in a. It's called the Red Theatre in Amsterdam. Right. And it's an old communist theatre from the war that they've kind of wow. just kept as it is. So it's completely red. Um, and it's got a lot of history there, you know, like mm. the floor's original. So it's like the noisiest floor, creaking floor you've ever heard in your life. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's a very cool theatre space and the sound is really nice. Um, and that was like, as you were saying before, that was a tryout performance for a load of new music. So mm. it was quite, I was a little bit nervous. So you can probably, I don't know, you might not be able to tell, but it feels a little bit like I, looking back, look, looking at that performance in the videos, I can see myself kind of like a um, little bit more tense than usual, <laughs> let's oh, say. Right, okay. But uh, it was great. I mean, I loved it. I, we managed to sell that one out. So it was a really nice crowd. Nice, awesome. nice sound of the audience in the room and those videos are cool yeah they're it was just like a two camera thing and mm. um they've made they've come out really nice so yeah 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 they have they're they're, they're really great numbers so it's uh uh well it's, it's um setting a, an incredibly high standard for what i'm sure will be a fantastic thank you uh third album um i i, I sir i i can't thank you enough uh for your time it's it genuinely is uh always a real pleasure to kind of just you know, to spend some time with you, talk music, talk your music, and um, just hang out. It's you're you're an absolute joy to spend time with. So I really Thanks appreciate. Thanks a lot. Um, yeah, likewise. Super, super interesting questions. I have to say, oh, that's very very kind. It, very I mean, nice. yeah, it makes me think about stuff, which is always really nice. You know, when you get interviewed, and um, sometimes you get kind of like run of the mill questions, and you develop right. these answers that sound like you've just reeled them off a script. Like it's super nice when you get proper questions that really make you think about what you're saying so yeah really nice you're very kind well yeah. thank you very much they were all ai generated <laughs> <laughs> but yes you're very kind so uh well uh, again i i i'm tremendously excited for uh, the new album and uh, obviously you know congratulations even just to say beforehand congratulations on on the september gigs i mean it's it's an incredible feat to have kind of put that together and i'm sure they're going to be amazing so thanks I'm, a lot man yeah i'm through a few buddy great